This week on the Dylan and Dylan Show, it's NFL draft time. The guys give their takes on the Lions and Titans heading into the NFL draft while mocking the top 10 picks. Question A covers the three receivers in the midst of contract disputes, A.J. Brown, Terry McLaurin, and Debo Samuel, and the hierarchy of postseasons. This week in sports includes takeaways from the beginning of the NBA playoffs, as well as picks for Friday's games, Miami versus Atlanta, Milwaukee versus Chicago, and Phoenix versus New Orleans. Sports excited to get back into it for this Friday, April 22nd edition of the show. DJ Dylan Jesperson here, joined as always by DH Dylan Holt. Dylan, how are you, my man? Doing fantastic. It's been a really, really fun week since the last time we talked last Friday or Thursday, however you want to say it. A lot of stuff going on. The NBA playoffs have got off to an awesome start. We're going to jump into that later, but the first round, these first few games have just been incredible. All the stuff going on just in the world of sports. Jay Wright out of nowhere stepping down at Villanova last night was crazy. Oscar Sheway being a resident of the state of Kentucky and Oscar Sheway announcing that he's coming back to UK next year was like, you you would have thought like it was world breaking news when it happened. I was sitting in an elementary school and like fifth graders were running up to me. They're like, Oscar Sheway's coming back. I'm like, how do you know this? Like you're in fifth grade where like it's the middle of the school day and they're just like losing their mind. It, like that's huge news in the world of college basketball. The NFL drafts a week from or less than a week away now. Uh, and that's just so exciting. That's one of the best days of the year. Like I said, the playoffs are going. MLB is in full swings, it feels like now. So many fun things going on. I'm excited to dive into all of them. But how are you doing today? Doing all right. Been a pretty hectic week. I've got a lot of things going on at once, but I'm excited to get into the show, ready to talk some sports, obviously. Lots of things to discuss. Uh, Let's get right into it. Let's not waste any time. Uh, While we record, we are a week away from the start of the NFL draft taking place in Las Vegas. Dylan and I are always big fans of drafts in general, obviously. So this week, rather than doing our own drafts, we thought we would stick to the script, run our own NFL mock drafts for this week. And so that's what we did. We will break down our hopes and wants for our teams, Lions and Titans, and then we'll give you our top 10, release our full first round on social media coming out in these next couple of days. So Dylan, let's get into it. Your thoughts on the Titans overall. So as I think anyone knows that has listened to the show, especially during football season, I was really high on the Titans this year. Now I thought the Titans had a chance to win the AFC. They got the number one seed after a really good regular season. Um, the Titans lost a lot of talent in this offseason, and we're going to jump into it a little bit later about some talent they could lose later on in the offseason, which is really scary. Um, but they also they added guys like Robert Woods that Robert Woods is going to step in and hypothetically replace Julio Jones, his production anyways. And I think that's exciting. But uh, the Titans are a team that I think needs to focus on offense 
in the draft, or at least in the first round. After the first round, I think you can look at defense, but I think the first round, with the amount of just, I think, elite wide receiver talent in the first round, I think the, the Titans should look at one of them. And the guy that I've zeroed in on that I think can fall to the Titans, it's going to be tough because there's a lot of teams that could look at wide receiver around where the Titans are picking the 26. It's Chris Olave. For some reason, people have Chris Olave dropping to the 20s, which I think is insane. But if Chris Olave is there at 26 and uh, the Titans don't select Chris Olave, they've lost their mind. I, I think we have both share this sentiment that Chris Olave is a stud. And I, I think that's going to carry over to the NFL. I I have no doubt Chris Olave is going to be a really good pro receiver, and I'm excited to see it. If Olave is not there, I think a guy like Nicobe Dean from Georgia would just be a, a – uh, I'll use a baseball term. They'd knock it out of the park. Uh, I think Nicobe Dean is going to be a really good pro. He's Georgia's middle linebacker. The Titans lost for Sean Evans this offseason. Slide in Nicobe Dean, another SEC linebacker, a stud SEC linebacker. I, Nicobe Dean's a guy that some people have scares of. I, I don't really worry about Nicobe Dean. I think he's going to transition to the NFL really well. I think he could transition to the uh, Titans defense really well. That's built up with a lot of SEC guys. And I think he'd be a really good fit. So defense, if they, if, if a lot of not there, I think Nicobe Dean, if he's still on the board is a knock, he's knocking out of the park. Um, I, I really thought coming into this like two months ago, I would have said the Titans have to find a tight end. There's not a great tight end prospect in this draft, but I thought that's what the Titans needed. They got Austin Hooper. So I, I think you can look at wide receiver. You can look at linebacker. Obviously, you can always look at offensive linemen. It never hurts going offensive linemen. Or I would really love for the Titans to get crazy if one of those top quarterbacks aren't selected. Why not? Why not pick a Kenny Pickett? or a Malik Willis, or a Desmond Ritter. If one of those guys aren't – I mean, Tannehill's not going to be around forever. Tannehill obviously got a lot of the uh, flack for the playoff game against Cincinnati. Let's get crazy. Pick a quarterback. Pick the, pick, uh, pick the next guy to be the quarterback for A.J. Brown and Derrick Henry. Uh, if you can get a guy like Malik Willis, like there's a lot of question marks, but he looks like he could be a stud. Let him learn from Ryan Tannehill. Let him learn from Vrabel. Get a connection with A.J. Brown. That would be really exciting. But, yeah, I think – Titans have a lot of avenues, a lot of exciting avenues they could go down, and it's probably going to end up they're going to trade. So uh, all of I just said is probably going to be useless. But, hey, it's going to be an exciting six days, seven days until the draft, and I I can't wait to see who they select next Thursday. Um, What what are your thoughts about the Lions' needs and and where they could go? Because, I mean, they got pick two, and then they have pick 32, so there's a lot of options in this first round for them. Yeah, obviously – with the way that the Lions franchise is, the draft is maybe a bit bigger of a day for, you know, that franchise than it is maybe with the Titans. But uh, there's a lot of ways that they can go with it, but it gives them some versatility with how bad they were last year. Uh, first and foremost, uh, they've got to address the lack of playmakers. Uh, wide receiver has been the biggest need for them for the past two seasons now that going into the last draft, it was one of the bigger ones. Now it's probably the biggest one, you know, Amon Ross St. Brown stepped into a great, you know, role last year, but if that's all you've got, especially when you Jared Goff's your quarterback, uh, that's not going to be enough. So a wide receiver would be great. I would not definitely don't want to see that at number two, but there's been talk that the lions might trade back, move back from that second overall pick, especially if, if Aiden Hutchinson is going number one to the Jaguars, which probably looks like it's going to be. Uh, so I, I wouldn't be surprised to see maybe if the lions trade back that second pick and then end up going after one of those good wide receivers. Cause I think you could go 
you know, in the teens somewhere and get one, you know, like a Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson, those kinds of guys, Drake London. I know you, a guy that you've been high on for a very long time. So uh, I'd like to see maybe something like that. Uh, as, uh, obviously if Aiden Hutchinson's there as a Michigan fan, he'd fit right in. It would be, it would be a match made in heaven, but if he's not there, obviously uh, my second is just not to reach for Malik Willis. I don't think he's worth a second overall pick. Uh, like you said, if he falls into like the twenties the or so, then, then that's where, and definitely if at 32 Malik Willis is there, I think that's definitely a spot where I would like the Lions to take a, take a shot at him, but he's not worth a second overall pick. I'm sorry. It's like Zach Wilson, but just a year later to me, I don't think that it is the same. You're not going to get Russell Wilson 2.0. I I think that's what a lot of people think that Malik Willis is. And I just don't think that's what he's going to end up being in the league. I think he's going to be a, he's, he's got some solid qualities. Don't get me wrong. And I, I understand what people see in him, but uh, I think that's just, he's filling a void in a quarterback list draft is what Malik Willis is. He's the best available option in a quarterbackless draft, which is just, that's not the time you want to take a quarterback. Uh, And then third, uh, obviously a playmaker on defense would help. Uh, I think that's if the Lions don't trade back and, you know, Aiden Hutchinson would obviously qualify as a playmaker on defense, but uh, if he's not there, we don't trade back for that second overall pick. Uh, a playmaker on defense would probably be the biggest thing right there. I think like a Kyle Hamilton is probably, we're, we're going to get into it, but a Kyle Hamilton, someone like that sauce Gardner. I mean that I know we just had, we lions fans are going to hate going after a cornerback that high again after, you know, I mean, Jeff Okuda might still play at some point, but we've seen some, it hasn't been a great start for Jeff Okuda since the lions took him as high as they did. So, uh, but Ahmad Gardner from Cincy. He's from Michigan. He's from Cast Tech. He's a Detroit kid. It would fit very well if you wanted to go that route. They need playmakers on defense. They they really can't miss uh, unless they reach for someone like Malik Willis. So the, there's a lot of ways that the, the Lions could make that work. Uh, so we'll get into our top 10. We'll start with Jacksonville. Dylan, where you got Jacksonville going with the number one overall pick? So I'm going with this mostly because I wanted number two to go the way number two went. And I like the, the idea of Jacksonville screwing this up. And I don't even think it's screwing this up. I, I think this would be a good pick. And I have Jacksonville picking Trevon Walker. I don't think Trevon Walker is the best player in this draft. And I think it like last week I saw a tweet that was like, Trevon Walker is gaining momentum to be the number one pick. And I was like, who is Trevon Walker? And I like, I had to like look him up. I was like, who is this guy? And he's an edge rusher from Georgia. And, like, I watched quite a few Georgia games last year, and it felt like they were never talking about him. And I, like, looked up his highlights, and I was like, okay, this guy's a stud. His first highlight, if you go on YouTube, it's him beating a double team against Clemson in the first game of the season and just getting a monster sack. It took him, like, two seconds to get to the quarterback. I was like, wow, this is – okay, I'm sold. And it just feels like a Jacksonville pick. I I, I, That's hard to explain, but it feels like this is something Jacksonville would do. and I, I think he, I think he's a really good player. I think he fits what Jacksonville does, that Saxonville type deal. Having him and Josh Allen, I, that seems lethal. I, I think the first two picks in, in my mock draft, anyways, are both hits. And uh, I'll get into my second pick in a little bit. But I think Javon Walker has a really good chance to be really, really good. And it just feels like a Jacksonville pick. It feels like something they would do. Jacksonville's a, a, the Con family. Everyone expects them to zig, and they're going to zag. 
I just, I see them. I don't know. Trevon Walker. I would have never in a million years thought this, that would be the number one pick in this draft. I think it's going to be the number one pick in this draft. I, I just think the Jaguars think different. And I mean, they gave Christian Kirk $72 million this off season. No one knows what the Jacksonville Jaguars are going to do. So why not? Trevon Walker, number one overall. I didn't know who he was two weeks ago. And now I think he's going to be the number one pick in the NFL draft. Why not? Uh, who do you have going number one? I do not have Trevon Walker going number one. I do not even have Trevon Walker in my top 10, but interesting enough, we will see how this goes. I, I guess I, I maybe I need to do more research before uh, next week and maybe I'll have to. It's wild. Like yeah. it popped up like one morning on Twitter and I was like, who's Trevon Walker? And I, like I'm sold now. I feel like I've done a lot of research going over mock drafts in these past couple of days to get the, get the information ready here. And I'm still kind of blown away by that, but Hey, I'm not going to hate on it Uh, with my number one overall pick for the Jacksonville Jaguars. I do think they'll take Aiden Hutchinson out of Michigan. Uh, I, I think it's, it's one of those picks that's been projected for a while knowing just kind of like the cycle of the NFL draft. It's either, you know, there's a couple quarterbacks that could make it, or there's one guy that takes the reins. And after what Aiden did against Ohio state, happy to say I was in the building for that. It, it was, it's been, it, it's felt like a done deal since that game, since he had those three sacks against two guys that are probably also going to be drafted in this, in this draft later in the, in the, later in the, as the draft goes along from Ohio state. But uh, I think he's a Joey Bosa type and Nick Bosa type. He's those types of dudes who just wreak havoc can instantly make your defense from mid range to one of the best pass rushing defenses in the, in the league. So uh, I think it's just too easy for them and uh, you don't have urban there anymore to mess it up. So I think Aiden's going to make it, make it a, who was the last number one overall pick for Michigan? It must have been Jake Long, and I think it was just Jake Long. It, 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 yeah, that sounds right. I believe it was Jake Long a few years ago. So, uh, moving on from a Michigan man to the Lions at number two, who do you have at number two? Would the last number one pick from Michigan be Eric Fisher from Central Michigan? That would technically yes. That would be yeah. If How about from that? a Michigan school, yeah, yeah, from a Michigan school, yeah, America, yeah, yeah, a- absolutely, fire up chips, uh, yeah, that's pretty neat. Uh, number two, I have Aiden Hutchinson to the Lions, and I, I think Aiden Hutchinson's the best player in this draft. I think he should go number one, but like I said, I think the Jaguars are going to Jaguar. They're going to mess it up and pick a guy that's awesome. I think Trevon Walker's really, really good. He's a freak athlete. Like he's like six six, like two seventy two. That guy's a freak. Aiden Hutchinson's the best football player, though. I, I think Aiden is a guy. He gets to stay in Michigan, gets to go to Detroit. Uh, it's something Lion fans deserve, especially if they're also Michigan fans. Get the guy that uh, to stay and lead a Lions defense that uh, Dan Campbell is trying to build up to be a really good unit, and which has to excite Lions fans for maybe a defense led, led by Aiden Hutchinson and a division that's really weird in a really weird spot where the Lions are going to continue to build up a team that's going to get younger and – the other teams are kind of getting older. The Vikings and Packers are in weird spots. The Bears, who knows what the Bears are doing? I like the Bears could be awesome. They could be the Bears for the next thirty years. Who knows? Um, and I just think it just makes so much sense for Aiden Hutchinson to go to the Lions. It just it seems like everything's lining. Like unless he goes number one in mine, everything lines up for the Lions to scoop up the hometown boy, and he goes from Michigan 
to Detroit and he gets to be an all pro. Like you said, he's a Bosa type guy where he just gets to be an all pro for the next decade as a Detroit Lion. I think that would be really cool. And Lions fans deserve it. So yeah, Aiden Hutchinson, number two to your Detroit Lions. Yeah, that I mean, I'm not going to lie. That would be a lot of fun. I would be very happy with that. Even if we weren't very successful during the time, I would love every second of Aiden Hutchinson being a Lion. But uh, unfortunately, I have him at number one. So at number two, I kind of alluded to this in my Lions take. I I think they're going to go with Kyle Hamilton, the safety out of Notre Dame. I don't think they'll end up finding any takers for that number two pick just because it's it's a quarterback list is draft. I I don't think you're you're trading up into the top two or three to get anyone other than a quarterback. And it's, there's a lot of edge rushers. There's a lot of tackles this year. There's a lot of those guys that you might want to trade up for. So no one's going to be looking really to get the second pick. So I like, I, and again, we just picked a D back very high in the draft, not too long ago, but Kyle Hamilton's different. He's been, uh, he was in last year's draft class. I remember very high because he's got a very high IQ. He's very, uh, well adept at what he does at that D back position at that safety position. So I, I like taking a guy like that, where you think he's got tremendous upside, both athletically, but what he knows he can step in and be an immediate playmaker. And that's like what I said, we need a playmaker on that defensive side of the ball, wherever it may be. So I think you stick Kyle Hamilton in. I think people are going to be looking back on this draft and be like, Oh wow. Kyle Hamilton. That was a, that was a steal for the lions at number two uh, because he ended up being one of the best in this draft. So uh, I like Kyle Hamilton going number two, if we don't trade back and try to get a wide receiver, but uh, moving on Houston at number three, who do you got at number three? I love that Kyle Hamilton pick, and I think Kyle Hamilton's really, really good. I have him in my top ten, but he's going to come up a little later. Uh, Houston, another AFC South team that I get to watch twice a year that I do not like whatsoever. Um, I have Houston. They need everything, literally everything. It's unfortunate for them. Uh, I have them taking Charles Cross, the tackle from Mississippi State, because why not build an offensive line? I, it's not like you got a franchise quarterback back there. I mean, you never know. Uh, Davis uh, – what Davis Mills, Davis Webb, Davis. That's bad. I, I'm blanking on Davis's. It's Davis something. He played like two games, the rookie. Um, and I, he's not the franchise quarterback. I don't think anyways, if he is fair enough. Um, I, I think he, Laramie Tunzel won't be there much longer. I mean, get, get a guy that has potential to be a really good, offensive lineman and anchor of your offensive line for the future because they just they need help everywhere why not get a guy like that who did work at mississippi state if you can do work at mississippi state going against some of the best edge rushers in the country in the sec west you can do it in the afc south uh and in the afc like i have no doubt about it so yeah charles cross going to the texans at three who do you have the texans taking because it can literally be anyone yeah i did google it. it is davis mills i didn't remember it either i could it's the most forgettable quarterback in the history of NFL. Davis Webb, uh, he was the guy that played for the Giants, I think. I think. Either. Davis Webb, Davis Mills, eh, doesn't, yeah. Very forgettable players, regardless. Uh, at number three, like you said, Houston just needs everything. So when you need everything, uh, I think, especially like the Texans don't strike me as a team that are going to do things the right way. They're going to 
kind of overspend in their first draft of this rebuild of what they're trying to do. So they're going to go and get Kayvon Thibodeau. They're going to go and spend on an edge rusher like Thibodeau. Uh, a lot of people think he's falling in the draft. A lot of people have not liked what Thibodeau, Thibodeau has done, but he was the guy before Aiden Hutchinson was the guy. Thibodeau was the guy. And I think he, he's a guy that's going to jump off the page to a team like Houston, where it's like, look at those physical abilities look at the things that he can do look at what he could do at such a young age and look at what we could do in our with our coaches with nfl you know weight plans and stuff like that i don't know if it houston would necessarily be the best fit for a guy like that but i think that's just the way that Houston's going to end up going. They, they need everything. And when you need everything, it's very alluring to just take the best guy. And you have a chance to take a guy that may have been the number one overall pick. He might be the best guy in this draft, uh, given the right circumstances. I don't know if Houston's the right circumstances for him, but I, we will see down the road, I guess. Uh, moving on to number four, the Jets are slated up at number four. Who you got there? So... At number four to the New York Jets, I love this pick so much. It makes so much sense in my head to me. I like. I really want to see this happen. If nothing else on this list happens, except for Chris Olave to the Titans, I want this to happen. Derek Stingley Jr., defensive back from LSU to the New York Jets. It just feels right. It feels like they're getting their next Darrell Revis. I know they might not play the same, but it just seems like, like Stingley feels like a guy that's going to be an all-pro corner. From the time he got to LSU, he was awesome. Like, he was the starter on that national championship team that people like, that might be the best college football team ever. And Derek Stingley Jr. as an 18-year-old was just out there locking people up. I'm all about it. I'm all about Stingley. Inject him into that Robert Sala defense in New York. Like, they, they've got a guy. They, they need defensive back help. They gave up so many yards. I think it was the most yards in the league last year. And inserting him automatically makes that defense better, gives up less passing yards. And, I mean, they're in a division with, I mean, Tua has so much more help now. That's going to help Tua. Josh Allen and Mac Jones, that's a lot of uh, firepower, and they're going to have to combat it. And I think Derek Stingley Jr. is a great start to that. So, yeah, Derek Stingley Jr., defensive back, LSU, going to the Jets at four. Who do you have the New York Jets picking? I am also having them take a DB, but I am not with uh, Derek Stingley Jr. I'm going to Mod Sauce Gardner. I think he is the best corner in this draft. Just uh, he, the Cincinnati defensive backs have gotten a lot of praise from the past four or five months, I want to say, but deservedly so. And if you watch the tape on Sauce Gardner, the dude just sticks to people. I remember watching Cincinnati play and it's just like, man, that guy just is on everyone's hip. And when you watch, that's just what he does. He's not, uh, I, I wouldn't even describe him as just like, he's kind of the opposite of uh, what's his name in, in Dallas uh, Diggs, uh, who had a lot of interceptions kind of played off of guys and got a lot of interceptions. He is on your hip. He is right in your pocket. He is going to break up more passes than the intercepts because he's right there with you all the time. And it, he still does a good job of picks. I, I think he had, you know, double digit picks in his career in Cincinnati, but it's just, he is one of those dudes that just, I, I he has such staying power in the league. I think, he is the next Darrell Revis in, in New York. Uh, it, it makes sense to me in the same way that Stingley makes sense. I do think they take a corner, whichever one they, they like best in terms of those two. So I think corner, we're definitely on the right track there. Uh, on to number five, the New York Giants. Who do you have at number five? 
Um, the other New York team, a little bit of a more boring pick than Derek Stingley Jr. or Sauce Gardner to the Jets. The other New York team, I have them taking Evan Neal, offensive tackle from Alabama. I think New York's got two top ten picks, two top seven picks. And I think they go safe with top five or the fifth pick and get just a really good offensive tackle. Same basically copy and paste what I said about Charles Cross with uh, Evan Neal. I mean, it's a really sick pick. The guy's a stud, and it helps protection for Daniel Jones or whoever's going to be New York's quarterback because it seems like quarterback is just a carousel in the NFL now, so you never know. Um, but, yeah, just it helps protect him. Helps protect Saquon Barkley. They, they got to get him playing and have him where he's got running lanes and Evan Neal's a guy that knows all about run blocking, all about pass blocking, come from Alabama. So I just think it's a really solid pick. I, I know Alabama tackles. There's been some that have got haven't been the greatest in the NFL. Evan Neal looks like he's going to transition really, really well. He he looks like a pro tackle. Looks like a guy that's going to be a stud. Uh, and I think New York would be very happy getting Evan Neal uh, top five and having more protection for Daniel Jones, whoever's back, whoever's back there, and Saquon Barkley. Uh, so yeah. Evan Neal, five. Who do you have at five for the Giants? So this is where I got a little bit creative, just so everyone knows. We both did our mock drafts on pro football focus, uh, and we had full control over every team in the first, so we could do all the first-round picks. And I decided, you know, I like I said, I do think someone is going to reach for Malik Willis. I don't know who that is, and it's not going to be the New York Giants, but I did see the Carolina Panthers sitting there at number six. And I did think the Seattle Seahawks are going to get antsy. And so what I did was in the pro football focus, I made a trade. Seattle moves up to number five. New York moves back to number nine. And they gave up, I think, like a sixth or seventh round pick for next year or something like that to go along with it. So uh, Seattle moves up. New York moves back, gets some draft capital. Seattle gets their replacement for Russell Wilson and takes Malik Willis at number five. Uh, mostly because they're going to, I think Carolina is going to make it seem like they're going to take Malik Willis at number six and Seattle's going to get antsy. They're going to pull the trigger. Maybe it's more draft capital. Maybe they give up a player and somewhere, but I think Malik Willis ends up in Seattle at the end of the day. He's the first quarterback off the board. Uh, and that's the big shakeup in my mock draft. I think Seattle goes AWOL and, and goes and takes Malik, Malik Willis. I think that's, I, I don't know why. I just have a, a feeling that that's what's going to happen. But uh, that is my one trade in my top 10. So uh, Seattle taking the league Willis at five rather than the, the New York Giants. Moving on to the Carolina Panthers at six. I could definitely see things getting real antsy and tradey right in this five, six range. And I think Carolina, if New York doesn't trade with Seattle, if that doesn't happen, I think Carolina could very well trade out of this pick. So I think Carolina's in a spot where there's been rumors that they might try to pursue Baker Mayfield and they might try, they might be like, Hey, pick six, we might take our quarterback or Hey, one of the other teams, you might want to slide in and get a quarterback here. Um, I didn't take that in effect. I was just like, Hey, this is the top 10. I'm going to go with who's here. And in my mind, I think Carolina is going to try to get a veteran quarterback, try to go get like Baker Mayfield. Baker's not really a super veteran, but been in the league. I think, I think Baker might end up in Carolina, might end up in Seattle. I say all that to say, I think Carolina is going to take Ike Ekonwu from uh, Ekonwu. I'll learn your name, Ike, when you when you become a stud left tackle or right tackle for the Carolina Panthers. Uh, after the combine, people thought he might have been the number one overall selection in this draft. He had a really good combine, had a really good season at North Carolina State. 
Uh, it's much in the same vein of Aiden Hutchinson going to Detroit. Gets to stay at home. Gets to go to go from North Carolina State to the Carolina Panthers. Uh, it seems like the fans would love it. You get protection. Like, it's never a bad idea when you're like, who do we go with? You go with a really good offensive lineman. There's three really good ones in this draft. I think there's more than that, too. Um, I, I think I think they really hit the – they get a guy that a lot of people consider one of the best players in this draft. At six, I, I think they knock it out of the park there. Carolina makes safe picks. They like to go defense. They have the last few years, but I think going offensive line is always smart. And I think I think going with the hometown boy at NC State would be really, really smart here. So, yeah, you got E.K. Aquanu uh, out of North Carolina State going six to the Carolina Panthers. Who do you have going six? At six, the Panthers. I also have an offensive tackle. I have Evan Neal of Alabama going. Also the first tackle off the board. I waited till six. You're going to realize with me, I have a lot of more playmakers heavy up top. And then I realized, oh, it's an, it's an NFL draft. I need the offensive lineman to go at some point in the top 10. So a lot of offensive linemen here in the back half of my top 10. Uh, Evan Neal starts that trend. Uh, he's the best offensive tackle in the, in the draft. I, I think it's pretty obvious. Uh, Akonu has a case for it, and I think – uh, you're definitely going to see him go somewhere near, you know, wherever Evan Neal goes, it's going to be a Conlon next. But uh, I think Evan Neal, if he's there for Carolina at six, they're going to take him first. Uh, as as cool as it would be to see the NC State kid go, stay in Carolina, I think that just makes a lot of sense. Uh, moving on to seven, the New York Giants. Again, uh, again for me, first one for you, though. Uh, who you got the Giants taking at seven? So my second New York Giants pick, at this point in my mock draft, the Giants are sitting there in Vegas and they're like, hey, this guy has fallen all the way to seven. And they scoop up Kayvon Thibodeau. And I think getting Kayvon Thibodeau at pick seven is just insane value. I, I think Kayvon Thibodeau is awesome. And I think he's right up there. I, like, I've hyped up Trevon Walker. I, I think Trevon Walker is really good. Trevon Walker is more of a question mark. It's like he's got the potential. Aiden Hutchinson's a guy that I think is going to walk in and be a really good pro. Like, I, I think Aiden Hutchinson's like, I think you know what you're getting. Kayvon Thibodeau, a little bit of a question mark. I think Kayvon Thibodeau is going to be a stud. I don't know why people are like, yeah, he's going to slide. I, I don't get that at all. I think Kayvon Thibodeau, he showed it at Oregon. He's just a really good pass rusher. He's always been hyped up from the time he was in high school. And I, I don't understand why we're seeing this slide from him in mock drafts and stuff. But it might all be smoke screens. Who knows? But I think New York, if they can get Kayvon Thibodeau at pick seven, they'd be jumping in the streets. That would be – I think it would be – they'd knock it out of the park. Uh, and Giants fans and their front office would just be thrilled to get Kayvon Thibodeau from Oregon at pick seven. Uh It'll be your first Giants pick right here. Yeah, I had that reverse. I'm sorry. I got so many things on my mind. But uh, first Giants pick after they traded with Seattle at the fifth pick. Uh, and I think this this is where it pays off because, like I said, I didn't have a lot of tackles uh, going at the, at the beginning. Now they can get a Kanwu at, at seven and get maybe the best offensive tackle in the draft uh, without having to take him at five, you know, and then you get the draft capital or whatever Seattle gives you uh, to get Malik Willis at five. So uh, I think you get a Kanwu from NC State, you uh, line him up there – you're going to be happy. I, I don't think the Giants uh, and, and they're going to have another pick here at nine for me. So they can go and get a little bit different uh, with the ninth pick. So, uh, you know, I think they're going to be able to handle all of their needs at seven and nine 
better even just as well or maybe even better than they could have at five and seven just because it makes a little bit more sense to take these guys a little bit later down the road so uh i think a kongwu at seven he falls to them and uh give them a little bit of offensive line help give daniel jones a little bit he could use as much help as he needs on that offensive line so uh we'll move on to eight we've got atlanta at eight who you got the falcons taking to atl i got defensive back Ahmad Sauce Gardner from Cincinnati. I think this is a fit made in heaven. Put him opposite of A.J. Terrell, and man, have fun passing against the Atlanta Falcons. A.J. Terrell really had a breakout season last year for Atlanta, and where a season where Atlanta was, like, really weird. It's not like they were great, but they weren't bad. Um, and you get a guy like Sauce Gardner. You talked about how great he is earlier. And I, I could really see him going at four. And the bad thing is about the two – great DBs in my eyes and the chef Stingley and Gardner, whoever doesn't go four is going to probably fall to eight to Atlanta. I think in my mind anyways, and that sucks. They have to fall so far. Cause I think they're really close to each other. It's just these other teams in between. Aren't, I don't think they're going to pick a corner. Um, Gardner's going to slide in. Like you said, he's just so great in man to man. He's going to slide into Atlanta defense and be a stud. I think sauce he's got it. And a guy named sauce Gardner playing defensive back in Atlanta it just makes so much sense in my head. I, I'm all about it. I think he has potential to just be awesome. And it's going to, like, I keep echoing. I think it's going to be him and Stingley as the best corners in this draft. And I think it's head-to-head in my mind right now. And they're going to get to prove it on Sundays. It's going to be really fun. And I cannot wait to see it. But yeah, Sauce Gardner, eight to the Atlanta Falcons. Who do you have at eight? Love that pick. Obviously, rooting for Sauce Gardner is a Michigander, fellow Michigander, Michigan native. Uh, at eight, uh, like I said, offensive lineman heavy at the back end of the draft. Uh, I think Atlanta needs an interior lineman more than anything. They actually don't need the the tackles as much as they need a guard or a center. The best offensive lineman in the nation last year was Tyler Linderbaum out of Iowa. He is the best offensive lineman in this draft, regardless of position. And I know center is not the guy that usually gets picked in the top 10, but I think Atlanta needs a center. You get Linderbaum, that's a 14, 15 year NFL vet right off the like I, I think you're set at center for a, a decade and a half if you've got Linderbaum. So I think Atlanta goes and takes Linderbaum. I think they make it three offensive linemen in a row at six, seven, and eight. Uh, and I think he is a staple in Atlanta for the next few years. I think whoever gets him is getting just one of those centers that just you're like, oh man. Tyler Linderbaum's still in the league. It's 2040, and it's like he's still snapping balls. And it's like, oh, my God, I can't believe this man's still in the league. Uh, that's what I see. Rugged Iowa offensive lineman. Uh, I don't think you can go wrong with what – he's proven it. He's he, – you, you want to go look at a guy that can run block, a guy that can pass block, both at the center position. The, the dude can do it all. And I think, I think it might be a reach. To, to get a center at eight, I don't think so with how good he is. So I, I think Linderbaum goes at eight. We'll move on to Seattle for you at nine, the Giants for me at nine. This pick very well might not happen because I think Seattle might trade out. I really think they might. But if they do make this pick, I, this is more of a they probably won't pick this guy, but I want this in the Dylan Holt universe. It's Kyle Hamilton, safety from Notre Dame. Because I think Kyle Hamilton in the, on, in the Seahawks organization just makes so much sense, and it feels like he'd be like a 10-year All-Pro. And I want to see a defense that features Jamal Adams and Kyle Hamilton. 
that would be a lot of fun. And just seeing how Pete Carroll and the Seahawks would organize that and make it work. Like, obviously, Seahawks fans probably want them to go to offense and more specifically quarterback. But you get Kyle Hamilton, and in my mock draft, anyways, these quarterbacks are just still falling. Seattle could trade trade up later and make something happen. You get a guy like Kyle Hamilton, you have him going number two. And I could definitely see that happening to him going much higher. But he falls to nine in Seattle's laps with the defensive success they've had. I think they have to be jumping over the moon like New York did with Kayvon Thibodeau falling. Kyle Hamilton going to an organization like Seattle just seems like money. And it seems like he would have a long, successful career just being the versatile safety that he is and just getting to be a stud for a long time in Seattle. And I, I'd be a big fan of that. I'm a big fan of good players going to good organizations. So, yeah, I got Kyle Hamilton at nine. Who do you have the New York Giants taking at pick nine? Yep, the Giants get their second top 10 pick now. Uh, and I think this is where they get a little bit wacky because the Giants are that that organization where it's like they're not going to be straightforward. They got their, especially if at seven, they get their safe tackle pick. They finally get their offensive line. They satisfy that group of Giants fans. Now at nine, I'm looking at that offense. I'm going, okay, what does Daniel Jones need? He's got Kenny Galladay, but he was kind of hurt last year. Uh, Saquon obviously is going to be a big playmaker for them. Imagine you add Drake London to the other side of that imagine that offense you've got Drake London and Kenny Galladay and Saquon Barkley staring down the I I think that makes the Giants offense look a a lot better if you add a playmaker like him obviously I think Jameson Williams is still probably the the most talented wide receiver in this draft I think a lot of teams are going to pass on him because of what happened with his ACL I, I I just think that's uh, unfortunately for him, that's just, it's going to, it's an injury that's going to cost him a lot of money uh, because I think if he was available, if he didn't get hurt the way that he did, he, this is where the giants would just take him because I think he was the best wide receiver in this draft class, but uh, the best healthy wide receiver in this draft class, I, the guy that you've been talking about since the last college football season, I think Drake London goes here at, the, at nine to the giants. And I think that offense looks pretty cool. I, I don't know if it's necessarily makes them a competitor, but it makes them a lot of fun. I think that that offense would look a lot of look like a lot of fun coming uh, coming at them, and they might give up 10,000 10, yards uh, this season. But it is what it is. Uh, rounding out the top ten, the last Jets pick, uh, the New York Jets get a second uh, top ten pick. Who you get for the fourth New York pick in the top ten? Yeah, uh, first, before I get to my Jets pick, I love the Drake London pick. I think Drake London is the best wide receiver in this uh, class. I, honest to God, think Drake London might be the best player in this draft. Like, I like you know how high I am on Drake London. I love the guy. I think he's going to be really, really good. And Drake London, obviously, he got hurt towards the end of the season. They say, like, he's, like, almost 100%. Like, he's going to, like, probably be back and, and good to go for rookie OTAs and just he'll be fine by the time the season starts, which is, it seems like teams are like, okay, we're going to be all right picking London high. I have him going right after the Jets at 10. I've been going 11 to the Washington Commanders. And let me tell you, if that happens, I will be ordering a Washington Commanders jersey on draft night because I'm all about it. I, I'm all about Drake London. I'm really, really high on him, and I'm going to be talking about him for a long time on this show because I, I think Drake London's special, and I've thought that for the three years I've watched him at UFC, USC. Fight on. But we're not talking about that. Uh, we're talking about the New York Jets, and I have them taking a wide receiver, my first receiver off the board from Ohio State University, Garrett Wilson. 
I think Garrett Wilson is really, really good. I think he's the second best receiver from Ohio State in this draft, but he's going to be the first one selected. He's gained a, a lot of momentum. I, th- I don't think he's as good as Olave, but he's really, really good. Like that, I just think Olave is special, and for whatever reason, he's falling. I, I don't understand that. But uh, Wilson is going to be a really good NFL pro, and New York needs firepower. They're the Jets. They need to be scoring points. Get Zach Wilson a weapon and let him go to work. Uh, let Wilson go opposite uh, Chris Davis and uh, – or Corey Chris Davis. Corey Davis. Um, and they can go to work, put up points, and hopefully have a long, successful NFL career. But yeah, I, I think Wilson's gained momentum. And this receiver class, there's so many good ones. Like, Jamison Williams is awesome. Drake, obviously, I just spent five minutes praising Drake London. Um, and you got Wilson, who's awesome. You got uh, Chris Olave. Then you got guys like Sky Moore, Traylon Burks. I mean, there's so many good players. George Pickens, who might be the biggest question mark in the entire draft. Like, who knows? The receiver class is so much fun. And I'm excited how, to see how NFL teams ex- attack picking receivers because there's a lot of teams that can uh, use another receiver. And in mine, the first one off the board is Garrett Wilson at pick 10, and then a lot of receivers come o- come off the board after him. Uh, who do you have the Jets picking at 10 and rounding out your top 10? Rounding out the top 10, we have our first dual pick. I've got Garrett Wilson at 10 as well. I think the Ohio State Buckeyes wide receiver goes at 10. Uh, when they talked about – now, if Jackson Smith and the Jigba was in this draft, I think he would be the first Ohio State wide receiver off the board. It's, even right now, I know he's going to go back for another year at Ohio State. He's the best of those three. But when they talked about these three – Within the within those three, when they talked to within each other, they said Garrett Wilson's the best of of all of us. He does everything the best, and I know there's a smoothness to Olave that I know we both love. The way that he just kind of glides through football, Uh, Garrett Wilson just does everything at uh, just. He just does everything right. He's the best route runner. He can jump with anyone. I think. The only question mark is if you think he's a bit undersized, but I, I don't think with the, the intangibles that he has, the way that he can get off of the turf and go get balls, I, I just don't think that's going to matter at this point. The dude is just a true wide receiver one, and I think the Jets, that's really what the Jets need in this draft. They're going to need one of these guys. I think they would take London if he was there. Uh, Garrett Wilson's the next best guy. They're going to take uh, Garrett Wilson. Rounding out my top 10. Rounding out a New York heavy top 10 draft. I didn't even realize until we just went through it. It's very New York heavy. Uh, rounding out our mock draft stuff, would you like to go over what your Titans uh, are going to do at your picks? Well, like I only did the first round pick for the Titans in Talave. So, I mean, I – I mean, later on, I'm hoping for a tight end to get a young guy in case Hooper doesn't pan out. And then, obviously, defense. I think that's always a solid plan. And I could see the Titans going defense in the first round. They love doing that. I could also see them picking offensive line because the Titans love picking offensive line and that will never play for the Tennessee Titans because that's what they do. They, the tit- Here's the thing, too. The Titans will not pick Chris Olave or N'Kobe Dean, the two guys I want. They're going to pick a guy that had a season-ending injury that didn't play and should have been like an elite prospect, but got hurt, and he's going to fall, and the Titans will pick him up. Watch out for like Justin Ross to get picked for the Titans because that was the guy that was elite and then like broke his back, and I could definitely see the Titans picking him. So that's just what they do. They pick these guys that are elite, elite athletes that got hurt, and uh, it's, it's kind of worked out. So, I mean, stick with the trend. I, I'm excited to see what they do. 
yeah, very, very excited for the NFL draft. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, rounding out my Lions first round, I, I do hope uh, with the 32nd pick, if they if they hold on to that pick, which it very well could move on from the from, – you got the second pick. The 32nd pick is not going to be, you know, that high value to you at the same time. But if we're going to – we're going to risk it. Like I told Dylan before we started, I think we might end up taking Desmond Ritter at this put at this spot. I honestly think he might be the best quarterback in this draft. I don't know if I really see that much of a difference between him and Malik Willis, uh, other than Desmond Ritter played at a higher level of football and was proven that, uh, you know, at Cincinnati, I, I, I think if we're going to take a replacement to Jared Goff in this draft, I would rather it be Ritter than the other two guys. Um, but we'll see. We'll see how it goes. I'm really excited for the NFL draft as well. Would you like to know my 32nd pick for the Detroit Lions? I would like to know. I had my second quarterback of the 2022 NFL draft going 32nd to the Detroit Lions. Malik Willis from Liberty. I haven't fallen to 32, so I don't think a team's going to trade up for him. And, uh, yeah. Malik Willis. I I'd like to see him go to Detroit. I think it'd be fun. Be a fun experiment. I, I mean, I'd love it at 32 for sure. I just don't want to miss out at, on someone like Hamilton or Hutchinson or Thibodeau. I, like there's so many guys better than him. That, that's the problem. There's so many guys that are, that are going that you can, this is a very heavy where I could see a lot of these guys being all pros, pro bowl guys for a long time. There, there's a lot of talent at the top end of this draft. So I don't want to miss out on that. Trying to get, trying to force the next quarterback into our system. So if he falls at 32, great. If not, Desmond Ritter would be just as fine. And Jared Goff is probably our quarterback next year, regardless. So uh, we'll see how it goes anyway. All right. On to the question and answers. Uh, sticking with the NFL theme, we had a, a few wide receivers get a little bit frisky in their organizations this week. One near and dear to Dylan's heart and A.J. Brown. Obviously, Debo Samuel requesting a trade from the 49ers and Terry McLaurin in that same boat, all looking for different contracts and a lot more salary out of their contract negotiations. Uh, Dylan, throwing it to you, your question for this week. Yeah, so like you said, A.J. Brown, Scary Terry, Debo, they've been the center of conversation. And I want to know, one, I want you to rank the three, like how you see them as a threesome. And then where do you think the best possible landing spots would that, for them would be if they were to be moved this offseason? Obviously, I, I texted you yesterday. And I was like, hey, like I, I want to talk about these three. I think it would be neat, neat. They might get traded. Like, who knows? And literally, I text you at 10.30 a.m., and they're 11.45, Debo Samuel requests, requested a trade. So kind of got in motion real quick. So, yeah, uh, rank the three, and then some potential landing spots for A.J. Brown, Debo Samuel, and Terry McLaurin. Yeah, I, I, first off, I'm always on the board with, the, with guys like these guys asking for, you know, their fair share because I, I think a lot of the times – We'll see wide receivers, running backs more often, but wide receivers and especially dudes that do things like Debo Samuel not get their fair share. I mean, Debo Samuel could potentially get wide receiver and running back money. He's doing two jobs at once. If you, uh, you know, comparatively, if you were doing, you know, a reporting job and an editing job, like they're going to pay you for both. They're not going to not pay you for doing one of those jobs. So uh, it's, it's kind of wild to me, but I, I definitely think at some point they're all going to get paid. I don't think any of them are going to end up being traded because all of these organizations are going to be like, no, we got to hold on to these dudes. They're all worth 
what they want in in return. Uh, so ranking them, uh, obviously, I spoke highly of Debo right there. I think Debo just because of that versatility makes him the best wide receiver of the three. Uh, just because you can run him at running back too, he can do a lot more for your for your offense. Uh, he can do both things at a high level, and I think that's what makes Debo Samuel such a such a fun dude and such a an interesting dude for the league and the. Uh, there's been talk of AJ Henning at Michigan doing a Debo Samuel type imitation this year. And it's like, that's fun when you're basically like changing the way people look at how the game is played. It's like, Oh, can we do that? Can we do, is there another guy that can fill that role for us? So I think that's what makes Debo so interesting. So cool. He's the number one. I got AJ Brown at number two. He's, he's Mr. Reliable. He's everything you would want in a number one guy. And the great thing about him in uh, Tennessee is if Julio is playing, I mean, he doesn't have to be the number one guy. So uh, he is, you know, that dude for them. He's been Mr. Reliable. And I think uh, any, he, he just checks all the boxes. He's got height. He's got speed. He runs great routes. He goes up and catches that. He, he does everything that you want out of a number one receiver. Uh, and then Terry McLaurin at number three, still great would be a number one guy in Detroit by wide margins. Uh, there's no uh, slack on Terry McLaurin for being number three in a, a list of Debo Samuel and AJ Brown, but he, he's third best by a slim margin of those three. I think all of those guys are very close. Probably if you had to rank, NFL wide receivers, they're very close within they, they might be all like five, six, seven, wherever it may be, you know, wherever they may land. Uh po- for possible landing spots, I have three possible landing spots for basically all three, because they're the the teams that need the wide receivers the most and the teams I think would be willing to go out and trade for a wide receiver. Number one has got to be the Packers. I think they have got to find some sort of replacement for the hole that Devonte Adams is going to leave. I don't think any of these guys are necessarily going to do that. Cause I think Devonte Adams is the best wide receiver in the league. Uh, but it's, it's definitely eases the pain. If you got D- Debo Samuel, AJ Brown, any of these dudes would, would definitely ease that pain a little bit. And number two, I got the chiefs. I think, they need someone to fill that Tyreek Hill role in the same way that the Packers need Devontae Adams role filled. Uh, and I think Debo would be perfect for that because uh, Debo is not as fast as Tyreek Hill because no one is as fast as Tyreek Hill, but what Debo brings in that versatility is sort of like what Tyreek Hill did for the chiefs. It's like, it gives some, it gives someone uh, in terms of defenses, they have to worry all week about what Debo Samuel brings. They have to game plan so much about what he does that it allows a guy like Andy Reid to game plan normally for the rest of the team because they're so worried about what Debo could do in the, in terms of those types of things. So uh, I think the Chiefs would be a great landing spot, especially for Debo Samuel. And then at number three, I think Indy might be in play for all of these guys. I think you give me Matt Ryan, you give me Jonathan Taylor, and then you give me Pittman Jr. And one of these dudes on the outside, that team, that offense would be very, very scary. I don't even know. Uh, I, I still don't know if Indy would be good enough to overcome a team like Tennessee in that division. Uh, but that offense would be a lot of fun. That would, offense would be very scary with those, with any of those guys joining that team. So I think any of those three teams you'd see, uh, and a lot of that depends on who wins and who loses in this draft. Like we said, th- there's a lot of really good receivers in the draft. So I think 
if any of these guys moves, it's going to have to be after because there, a lot of these teams are going to wait to see if they can score big, you know, get a Garrett Wilson to fall to them, get a Chris Olave to fall to them. Uh, and if your Titans take Chris Olave, maybe they maybe they do let A.J. Brown walk. I don't know if he's definitely necessarily the replacement that you want for A.J. Brown, but, uh, you know, you never know. You never know how these things are going to work out, uh, especially with uh, contract negotiations. But I definitely want to hear what you have to think, especially because you've got some deeper ties to this. So I do not want A.J. Brown moved. A.J. Brown, like, I love Derrick Henry. I think Derrick Henry's the best running back in the game. Might be the best player in the game of football. A.J. Brown's like my favorite player. I love watching A.J. Brown play football. He's just electric. He just, the way he plays football, the way he's able to bring down catches in traffic, make big plays. Like, he's had, like, the most big plays in football the last, like, few years. And it's just so much fun to watch him play. The Titans' offense is so much better when he's on the field. And I, I just think so highly, A.J. I don't understand why they wouldn't pay A.J. Brown. Because it's like having Derrick Henry at wide receiver. I know that's a big claim. But you watch A.J. Brown break tackles from smaller defensive backs. It's amazing. He's just so much bigger, so much more physical. And I think they got to do everything they can to keep A.J. in Nashville. I think the Titans are in such a good spot as an organization. Do not let up on a young superstar. And that's what they have in A.J. Brown. Uh, But I'm going to rank these guys. I'm going to go number one, A.J. Brown. I like. I obviously am biased, but I think AJ is a stud. He's the definition of a wide receiver one. He's just so so good. He's been he's been a wide receiver one on a playoff team since he was a rookie, and that's not easy to do. Like as soon as he walked in the building, he was the go to man, and he's just lived up to it, and he's done a phenomenal job. And I, I just think he's a guy that like there's always the jokes like Joe Burrow made it like. F it, Jamar's down there somewhere. Ryan Tannehill literally does that. He's like, well, AJ's down there somewhere and just throws it up. And it seems like more times than not, AJ brings it down. And I I think that's just like, I think you could put anyone back there. And this is not a discredit to Ryan Tannehill because I think Tannehill's done a great job in regular season games. But I think you could throw back a lot of quarterbacks in the Titans' backfield and they could get it to AJ Brown and put up big numbers. And I think that's a big credit to AJ and what he's been able to do in Nashville. Number two, I'm going Scary Terry. I think what Scary Terry's been able to do in Washington and put up big numbers with the quarterbacks he's played with is insane. And I really thought about putting Scary Terry at number one, but I'm just too biased to do that. Um, Scary Terry's incredible. I think I I feel bad for him because it just seems like Washington is never going to get a quarterback, and that's just not fair. Um, I, I really want to see him succeed. And I know they have Carson Wentz now, but <laughs> I think everyone knows my feelings on Carson Wentz by now. Um, I, I just, I'd really, really like to see Terry McLaurin on a winning team, not a 500 team. And the just me imagining the duo of scary Terry McLaurin and Drake London, man, that would be so much fun. That's just like my dream Madden team to play with. And it's just like two wide receivers I love. And I'm going Debo at number three because I looked at this just like straight up like wide receivers and what they do like when they're lined up on the outside. Like Debo like as a football player might be like top two and not two in the NFL like with all the things he does. Well, he's just lined up on the outside. I think the two guys, AJ and Terry are above him, but Debo's obviously amazing. And I think the thing that hurts Debo's value or in this ranking is that he's like an amazing running back. And like him going outside, I, he's just not, he's not at the same level route running and 
the other things that AJ and Terry can do, they're just a little bit better. But like, like you said, these guys are all just so close. Um, as far as like potential landing spots, AJ's not going anywhere. I just really believe that. I like, I think AJ is going to be a Titan for a long time. I, I think they're going to get a long-term extension. And he's going to get paid a lot of money. Uh, Scary Terry and Debo. I think Debo is a perfect fit with either Indianapolis or Baltimore. And I would much rather Baltimore. I think Debo just like, he feels like a Baltimore Raven. I don't know if that makes sense, but he just seems like a guy. Like I saw a Photoshop on Twitter and it was Debo in that all black Ravens uniform. I was like, yeah, that looks right. That just looks like what should be happening on Sundays. Lamar Jackson and Debo Samuel. And then I was like, oh my God, Lamar Jackson and Debo Samuel. And then they can run a triple option, Lamar Jackson, J.K. Dobbins, and Debo Samuel. And I'm like, oh, that's terrifying. And I was like, that needs to happen. I don't like the Ravens, but I want to see it happen now. And then Indianapolis, Matt Ryan, Jonathan Taylor, and Debo Samuel. I mean, that's in, it's like an NBA big three. Like, there's just so much versatility. I, I think I'd be more inclined for the, the Baltimore because just, like, all the possibilities with what they can do and how creative they can get could be a lot of fun. It could really, like – Debo's revolutionizing football. They could do it even more. And I know like Debo wants to get away from the so much like running back stuff. And, like he wants to be a more traditional wide receiver, but like lean into it. Like use it as fakes at least like see what you can do. I mean, he's just been so valuable. Uh, and then scary Terry, I think I'd love to see him in green Bay. I, w- I want him to stay in Washington because I've hyped up this Washington team the whole time we've been doing the Dylan. I want to see what they can become. Uh, I'd love to see him stay in Washington, but if he requests a trade, I understand like he's, He's put in work with nothing and send him to green Bay. I mean, the stuff he's done with nobody and then going with Aaron Rodgers, Like, I, I think that could be special Aaron Rodgers and scary Terry. And then I Indianapolis, obviously having him Matt Ryan and Michael Pittman on the other side would be scary. I mean, there's just, Scary Terry could go anywhere. I think he shows that with what he's done with Taylor Heineke and Ryan Fitzpatrick. And that's no digs at them. They're just not to the level of these other NFL quarterbacks. And I, I think I, – I honestly think Scary Terry and AJ will be on their same teams this year. I think Debo's probably getting traded. I, I think Debo's probably out of there. And I, I hope it's – I hope it's Baltimore. I don't want him in the AFC South. I, Indianapolis is already good enough. I don't want him in Indianapolis. I'd like to see him as a Raven. But uh, there's a lot of fun possibilities, and I'm really curious if this happens before next week's draft because there is there are so many good wide receivers, or maybe one of these teams waits and sees if they can grab one of the great receivers in this year's class. I don't know. There's a lot of fun. The wide receivers, just the market and everything's crazy. I'm excited to see what happens. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, a lot of stuff coming out of the NFL. Uh, it's draft time, but obviously uh, – going to keep our eyes on what's going on and with that stuff as well uh we'll move on to my question uh relating back to the nba playoff stuff because obviously that's the big thing going on right now round one of the nba playoffs has been going on all week and i've been having just a ton of fun watching these games uh i all every night it's uh, it almost feels like a march madness 2.0 where it's like oh i gotta turn on whatever playoff game is on because every game has been a ton of fun and i feel like in terms of at least professional postseasons, I think it's taken over as for sure the best postseason experience of any of the prof- professional leagues. Uh, and it might be one of the best postseasons in terms of any of the leagues. Uh, so my question or just your thoughts on that, how do you think the NBA postseason ranks up against the rest of the postseasons? And then I need 
in the same way that we ranked the wide receivers, you're going to rank the postseasons of the professional leagues of the big three football, basketball, and baseball, and the collegiate leagues. So the NBA playoffs, the NFL playoffs, the MLB playoffs, college football playoffs, March Madness, and the College World Series. So I'll throw it to you. Uh, first, your thoughts. Yeah, I love the NBA playoffs. I I really got into the NBA in like high school, and I like always loved it. And I, I would pay attention during the first few rounds, but it's like, okay, what's LeBron doing? And then when the finals came around, it was like, okay, hyper focus, watch every game. Got it, like Heat, Heat Spurs, got to watch every game. And then the Warriors years, like, got to watch it. But now, like the last few years, it's like, okay, the playoffs have started. That's Saturday. Like, I'm going to sit down on the couch and watch every game. And then like Sunday, got out of Easter Church. And like, I was like, I got to get home. I want to watch Net Celtics. And I sat there and watched basketball all day. And it was just a great time. And like, the NBA has got to a point, like, a couple years ago, the argument was there's no parity. There's no fun. You know who's going to win. We're at the exact opposite point now. Last year, we had a Suns-Bucks finals. No one saw that happening. And this year, like, I was on the round table earlier this week, and they're like, who do you think's going to be in the finals? I was like, I have no idea. I was like, I like that. Like, I said, like, I think I said Warriors-Nets, and I would love that. I think it would be a lot of fun. And I feel like if people looked at it like in a historic context, you'd be like, well, that's no fun. The Warriors were in the finals all those years before. No one expected the Warriors to be in the finals this year. I don't like time traveler. No one expected it. Like if you're listening in the future, it just, no one's like, oh yeah, Steph Curry and the Warriors are the favorites to go out of the West. That's just not how it is. It makes it a lot of fun because like, there's just so many possibilities. And I, I really think the NBA playoffs are right up there for the top, uh, playoff experiences in all of sports, the best postseason. And I guess I'll get right into my rankings. I'm going to go number one. I got to. It's March Madness. I Like, there's nothing like it. And I know this year's tournament, like, this year's tournament was just, like, really good. Like, it was a solid 7 out of 10. I'd give it an 8. I'll give it an 8 out of 10. Really, really good. And, like, we didn't have, like, iconic moments, but we had iconic stories. And I think that, that goes a long way. But, obviously, past tournaments, like, it's just the best. There's nothing like March Madness. Uh, number two, I'm going to NBA playoffs. And it barely beats out the number three, but NBA playoffs for everything I just said, it's awesome. Like, it's so good. Like, right now, it's just so good. Uh, number three, going NFL playoffs. And I don't think it would have been like that before this year. I was never really high in the NFL playoffs. But this year, the playoffs were just awesome. I feel like every game came down to the fourth quarter, like late kicks. Like, it was just so good. Um, and I don't know if I'm getting older and I'm just appreciating everything more, but I don't know. I, I really like the NFL playoffs this year. It's just a lot of fun. The winner go home scenario is kind of like March Madness. It just creates just a bigger atmosphere, a bigger like every play counts type of feel. And I, I don't know. I just love it. Um, so that's three, four. I'm going College World Series because the College World Series is awesome. Like, la- like I've always paid attention to it. And I'm like, it's baseball. I'm going to watch it. But last year having Tennessee in it, and like actually like being like a part of it, I loved it. It, it was so much fun uh, having a team in uh, Link Omaha, Omaha, yeah, Omaha, and uh, being a part of it, getting out of the Super Regional and getting to Omaha, and it was just it was a blast getting to watch it. And obviously Tennessee didn't do much. Hopefully they do a lot this year. Uh, but like getting to cover it, writing about Mississippi State Vanderbilt in the national championship, it was. It's just so much fun. The fan base is going all out and getting there, just having a blast. I, I'm a big fan of the College World Series. I'm excited to see. It, it felt like last year, and 
I've talked about this a lot, how baseball seems like it's growing. College baseball seems like it's growing so much. And I don't know if that's me, like, seeing just Tennessee through the Tennessee lens where Tennessee's got good and there's a lot more attention on it. I don't know. But it seems like college baseball is growing, and that's awesome because the College World Series is really, really good. More people need to watch it. Um, so that's four. Five, I'm going to go um, – this is where it gets tough. Five, I'm going to go MLB playoffs because I think the MLB playoffs are good. I love baseball, but it's really hard to watch a seven-game series of two teams watching nine innings of two teams you don't care about. That's really hard, and that's me coming from, like, the modern baseball fan. Like, I can watch seven Cardinal games, no problem. But, like, watching, like, seven Astro games in the ALDS, that's hard. Like, that's just – I mean, that's just – that might just be me, but that that's tough. And I just – I don't know. I'm not – not big on it. If it's Cardinals, yeah. But until it's the World Series, I'm I'm kind of tuned out. I'm like, all right, I'll check the score. I might tune in if it's like super tight. But like, I don't know. I'm not I'm not crazy about the movie playoffs. It's seven games is a lot. Uh, it's a lot. It's a it's a long series, long games. Baseball's got a pacing thing, and I don't know if it's baseball's. We've talked about it a lot. Baseball's in a weird spot. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with MLB five. I think the College World Series is better than the MLB playoffs. Uh, then coming in at six, the College Football Playoff. The College Football Playoff hasn't been great. <laughs> it's it's been an experiment. I just I don't think it's been great. Uh, and that might be me saying this because I get to experience my least favorite teams playing it like every year, and that's like torture and it's not fun. Like. Seeing Michigan and Cincinnati make it this year was awesome. And I was rooting for them so hard. And then they both just ran into walls. The two teams I hate so much. And, like, it's made me, like, I don't like Clemson at all. And they're always in it. And, like, this year I have hope that, like, Texas will make it or USC. But, like, the college football player just depresses me. And hopefully in, like, 10 years when we get eight teams, it'll be more fun. But, like, right now, I don't know. It just depresses me. And it's sad because, like, college football is my favorite sport. But it comes in at six my, uh, on the rankings of my postseasons. So, yeah, I got – I went March Madness, um, NBA, NFL, uh, College World Series, MLB, and then uh, the College Football Playoff. So, uh, I'll throw it to you for your rankings of the six postseasons. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to echo a lot of what you said. I think uh, – and really – piggybacking of what you said with the seven game series and MLB playoffs, I think in seven game series in general are getting a bit played out. I think it's hard to invest in a series when it's seven games. And I think the NBA playoffs has shown me that, Hey, at least when there's enough parody, like you said, when, when you've got legitimately 16 teams that I feel like all have, a legitimate shot to at least win one series, then it makes it a little bit more fun. But a lot of the times, like with the MLB playoffs, it, it you go into a series knowing which team's the better team. You're waiting for those four games to just come up because you, it, it, and it shouldn't be that way. We need to go more towards the you know the March Madness of the world where you can where it's one game and you're done. You know that's where I think those types of postseasons thrive. Uh, but uh, there's no question the, the NBA playoffs has made leaps and bounds uh, strides, uh, you know, in terms of entertainment value, especially in these first couple of rounds. Like you said, it used to be just maybe if you were a big fan, you turned in for the conference finals games and then you'd start what, really watching. 
I mean, every series has been must see must see TV so far this in, in the first round of these uh, NBA playoffs. So uh, I've been super impressed. I've been having a lot of fun. Uh, I'm hoping to wrap this up here so we can watch the the final two games of this Thursday night uh, slate here. But uh, ranking these. Uh, I'm going March Madness number one as well. I don't think there's any way you can top March Madness at this point. Like you said, it wasn't even a great tournament this year, and it still was the best postseason uh, of the 2022, and it will be, uh, no doubt. I do have the NBA playoffs at number two, and it's just interesting. We both have basketball. Uh, both basketball postseasons is our number one and number two. I think that uh, should show something to the other leagues. Basketball's just been doing things right for the past few years, and th- there's, a, there's a reason for that. I have a college football playoff at number three uh a little bit more bias you know we both i think college football is our favorite sport but you know i saw michigan make it so there's a little bit more we had a little bit more fun. even if we did run into that wall that was georgia it, it, it makes it a little bit more fun knowing your team has participated in it and had it had its shot so uh but college football is my favorite sport you give me a postseason college football uh, i was looking forward to that for so long as a kid so even in small doses, it's great for me. So I'll have that at number three at number four I have the NFL playoffs. Uh, I don't have a huge, like emotional tie to the NFL playoffs. I think that's the same way where it's like, I, the lions have never really been a playoff competitor ever. So really do, I don't have that emotional tie to the NFL playoffs, but is that winner go home type feel that like March madness brings to you. And it allows for teams like the Eli Manning led giants to go on runs and beat the six, the undefeated Patriots. And those are the types of stories you get in the NFL playoffs that you can't get in a seven game series. So uh, I, that's why I like the NFL playoffs at number five. I've got the MLB playoffs. I think uh, there's just more, memorable moments from the MLB playoffs in my mind than in terms of the the last one, uh, which is college world series. And, and I think the college world series could in every way surpass the MLB playoffs. I think it has every opportunity to college baseball just does not get marketed to people for some reason. And I think that's a topic for another day. I just don't, it's, it's been for years. It's like, it's a lot of fun to watch every time it's on. I am glued to the television whenever it's on. And then it just never is on until the college world series rolled around. And we, I had Michigan was in it against Vanderbilt a few years ago. You had Tennessee in it. When you have a team in it that you're rooting for, you finally realize it's like, wow, this is a lot of fun. This is this is something that I don't know. It's like almost hidden from the regular sports fan. It's, it's, it's a lot of fun. It's something that you need to experience. It's something I want to experience in person uh, before I, before I move out of this Midwest area that I'm in now. So I'm going to try to have have to make that trip down here this spring. But uh, anyways, I, I, I think we're on the same page. We're like, some of these postseasons are making making things a lot of fun. Like the NBA playoffs, it, it, it's a lot of fun watching this. The College World Series is a lot of fun. I think we just got to, in terms of that, we just need to find a way to market it better. But, uh, you know, there's different ways to do postseasons. And I think there's, uh, you know, the NBA is definitely killing it right now in terms of entertainment value. Uh, but we'll move on now. We'll move on to this week in sports on the topic of the NBA postseason. We have seen some awesome games in the first round of action so far. We were close to seeing some teams advance, uh, but a lot of series are most evenly matched. Uh, we're going to go through and just give our quick biggest takeaways from each of the NBA series. So we'll start in the East. Uh, first thing that comes to your mind, Dylan, 76ers versus Raptors. 
Joel Embiid is a monster. Like, I knew Joel Embiid was really good. That man's on another level. That buzzer beater he hit in Toronto, poetic justice after what happened to him a few years ago with Kawhi, the buzzer beater hit around the world. I'm all in on Joel Embiid. I I really took a hating on the 76ers on the roundtable earlier this week. I don't know if they heard it. I'm sorry. Joel Embiid and the Sixers are really good. And that That is my takeaway from that. Yeah, I just wrote down Embiid is him. Uh, I think he is the MVP. I think he's proved it in this first couple of games. Uh, he, at seven foot two, makes everything he does look effortless, and that's hard to do, even when you're seven foot two. It, it, that's what Embiid does. He he's that guy. Uh, I, I think we're in agreement there. Uh, moving on, Bucks Bulls. How did the Bulls win a game? <laughs> I don't understand that. I watched the Embiid buzzer beater, and I was like, all right, time to go to bed. The Bucks and Bulls are playing. That won't be a game. And then I woke up, and it's, yeah, the Bulls won. How about that? I didn't expect that to happen. I, I know Middleton's hurt, but, yeah, I expected this to be a clean sweep. I think we both expected that. But it, good on the Bulls, I guess, 4-1. Yeah, I think the Bulls can still be a top team if DeRozan is cooking, but – I'm not expecting 41 a night from DeRozan for the rest of the way. So I think the bu- the Bucks are still safe. Uh, I just uh, uh, I just think the Bucks are way way ahead. I, you know, good for yeah, like you said, good for Chicago for getting that one game. Uh, moving on, Heat Hawks. What do you what's your takeaway from that series? The Heat are really like that, huh? I, I knew the Heat, like, they're the one seed. Like, they're obviously good. But, like, I expected Atlanta to, like, you know, like, be the eight seed that's, like, pesky and, like, really put up a fight. But, Atlanta, I mean, uh, Miami really seems to, like, just be them. Like, they're they're playing really good defense like they did all year. And, like, they're giving Trey Young and the Hawks trouble. And it, it seems like they're just going to run away with that series. Obviously, up 2-0. I, uh, like, Miami seems like they're – they're back to the bubble form, which is really, really promising. If that's the case for Miami, so yeah, uh, I, I didn't, I didn't really expect it. I thought Atlanta was going to give them troubles, and they don't seem to be so far. Yeah, the Heat are not your traditional one seed, but they're still way farther ahead of the Hawks right now. And I think this is more on where Atlanta is, like not competitive where the Heat are. I still don't. I, I'm not sold on the Heat being a, a true title contender. I think this more has to do with like the Hawks are truly not a playoff contender at this point. They they were good enough to get into the playoffs, good enough to win that play in, not good enough to compete with a team like Miami. Uh, finally, Celtics Nets. I was not a fool for picking the Celtics over the Nets. The Celtics are good. I I like I remember watching a few weeks ago Grizzly Celtics on TNT. And they were talking about, like, how how great the Celtics' defense had been in, since the All-Star break. And I was like, okay, I'm going to remember that. And obviously, Marcus Smart, defensive player of the year. I mean, it's showing. Kevin Durant's struggling to score against that defense. And that's going to play a huge role as we play maybe two more games. <laughs> Brooklyn hasn't looked great. I mean, obviously, the first game came down to the buzzer beater. And then game two, it was – I mean, that was Boston's game. It's what they do. But obviously – Pivoting from uh, the Garden to uh, Barclays Center in Brooklyn will play a huge factor. And I don't know, it's just been a lot of fun. Game one on Easter was a blast. Coming down to the final second with Jason Tatum, and then game two, uh, Boston just did what they do. They played that lockdown uh, fist fight defense and made Kevin Durant struggle to score, which was a lot of fun. But yeah, Boston, they're good. Who would have thought? The two Sydney East is really good. 
I think this is the best series maybe in the entire playoffs. And like I said before, the rivalry is real. I think you can see with the way that this has played out. These these two teams really want to beat each other. I just think the Celtics seem to want it more in these first two games, uh, especially like when you saw that last possession from the Celtics. I I think a little bit's too much being made of Kevin Durant standing around on that on that play. I think that was more of a defensive like alignment uh, than anything, but I think you saw it like Tatum was sprinting to the rim while the Nets were a little bit confused, not ready to go. There there was a difference between the two teams in terms of energy levels. The Celtics just seem to really want it more. Uh, but I'm very interested to see what Ben Simmons could do if he joins because uh, that sounds like he's going to join the Nets at some point soon. That could make that series even more interesting than it really would be. So uh, we'll see how that plays out. We're going to move on to the West uh, with the T-Wolves and the Grizzlies playing as we speak. Throw it to you for that one. (laughs) It's a really weird series. Game two is a blowout. Right now, as we're recording, it's at near the end of the third quarter, and the Timberwolves are up by 19. Like I don't think anyone expected that after the Grizzlies won by 20 in game two. Uh, so it's a really weird series. It's a good series. Game one was really entertaining. Game two was entertaining if you're a Grizzlies fan. And then game three, if you're a Timberwolves fan, very entertaining. Uh, I think this series is going to go probably six or seven. I think both these teams are young and hungry. It's a lot of fun watching Anthony Edwards become a household name, which I said last week on the Dylan and Dylan show, it was going to happen. Anthony Edwards is him, kind of like Joel Embiid. Not quite to that level, but Anthony Edwards, he's him. Yeah, everyone, including me, overlooked Anthony Edwards and the T-Wolves last week. I, I still think the Grizzlies will get this done, even with how it's playing out right now. I still think overall they're the better team. They'll end up finding a way to to get these four games wrapped up. But I think this just shows how scary the Timberwolves could be in the future. If you've got Anthony Edwards playing like this for an entire season rather than just like a couple games in the playoffs, that would be very – I mean, you put Cat uh, – We've talked about all the potential of the Super Bowl team. We're seeing it actualized a little bit in this series now. So uh, excited to see. Again, like with all these series, I think there's it's really competitive. All of these series have a chance to go all the way to seven if it really – other than the, the Philly series. But uh, moving on, Warriors and Nuggets. Uh, we've sang the praises of the Warriors already today. Uh, what do you like about this series? Jordan Poole, the Michigan man, he's become a star. Like, I know there was a lot of chatter about him for MIP. He was your MIP last week. But uh, I would, I don't know, I wasn't really paying attention to the Warriors towards the end of the season. A lot of Grizzlies on my television. And I was like, yeah, Jordan Poole was doing that. It's not going to carry over to the playoffs. 30 points in game one, 29 points in game two. Jordan Poole's the third splash brother. He's here. He has arrived. I'm. I'm. Re- it's really cool to see. Uh, I talked about it on the roundtable. He's the biggest X factor in the NBA playoffs. If he carries this on, no one wants to see the Warriors. That's exciting. That's really, really exciting. Uh, who would have thought that? Everyone's like excited. The Warriors are doing good. Take that back to like 2019. That's like you're cursing the name of the NBA. But yeah, the the Warriors. They they might be legit. I think Jordan Poole is the biggest success story that the G League has provided for us right now. I think in terms of what he's doing and how he's filling in for an actual like winning team. I We've seen G League guys come up and just kind of be, you know, I think Hassan Whiteside was kind of like, you know, he, he put up a lot of numbers, but empty stats for some bad teams. Uh, Jordan Poole has come up and in one year was in the G League, now is 
maybe one of the best players on the Western Conference, you know, in the Western Conference playoffs. I mean, like you said, he's the X factor of the of the playoffs for you. I, I think the 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 heights that he has improved from one year to the next is ridiculous. If he's not the most improved player, I don't know who is. Uh, give credit to Dejounte Murray where credit is due, but I do think Jordan Poole is the most improved player at this point. Uh, Jazz and Mavericks. Uh, what are you thinking out there? Let me tell you, have not watched a minute of Jazz Mavericks because Luka Doncic is not on the floor. I, I'm sorry. There's other games going on. I'm not tuning into a luka series because the Jazz, I don't think they're winning this series because they're struggling with the doncic Mavericks. And Luka's going to come back in this series. They thought he was going to come back in game three. They're holding him off. He's probably going to be back for game four. And the Mavericks going to roll from there, in my opinion. I, I think the fact that Spencer Dinwiddie was able to step up. Or no, it wasn't Spencer. It was Jalen Brunson stepped up in game two and exploded in game two. And the fact that they're able to have guys like that step up and lead them to wins with Luka not out there. The Mavericks, they, they're um, – I'm. Uh, harpering back to the round table. They're my team. They might be the dark horse where people like really aren't talking about them. So I, I think they're better than the jazz. They're going to advance probably to the second round and they'll probably be with the Suns. I assume they'll be playing the Suns, but uh, that th- their team, who knows what they'll be doing with when Luca gets back and healthy. Yeah. I think this all depends on what happens with Luca. I think it's what we talked about beforehand. I thought he was only going to miss two games and I still took the jazz just because he was going to miss two games. And I thought it was like, you're forfeiting two games and they were ended up, they ended up taking one of those two games, but now it seems like Luca's still not healthy. And that's always the type of thing that scares me, especially in the NBA where it's like, we have a set date for him to come back and then it like gets extended. It's like, okay, then what's really going on. Do you really, do you really want to risk Luca for like a, a, a series with the jazz where you're probably not going to win your next series against the, the best team in the, in the West. I, maybe you shut down Luca and then the jazz just end up going down and win, win the series by default. I, I, I don't know. It's all going to depend on what happens with Luca at this point. Uh, if he comes back at, at game four, like you said, I think the Mavs do end up running away with it, but without Luca, I do not see how they get it done. I just don't think that there's a chance that, give credit to them for doing it the one time without him. I don't see them doing it three more times without him. Uh, moving on, finally, what should be the easiest one to talk about, but now is getting way more interesting as time goes on, Suns Pelicans. I need Zion Williamson to play in like game four or five. I need that to happen. I need the chaos. The Suns are all of a sudden they're banged up. Like Devin Booker might be hurt. And that, that adds like a, such a big variable to what's going on. Uh, who knows? The Pelicans aren't that great. Like, they've got good players, but they should not be here. They should not be in a conversation with the Phoenix Suns, the best team in the NBA. But yet here they are. I I just want the chaos of, like, a Shams tweet that says, Zion Williamson activated for game four of the first-round Western Conference playoffs, Suns, Pelicans in New Orleans. I think that would just be electric, and I want to see it happen. But, yeah. Suns in five. Uh, that that should happen. Yeah, I feel like Zion's just like a beast, like chained up in a in a dark room somewhere. And they the news came up that Devin Booker was hurt, and he kind of like turned his head, like, "Oh, I think it's time. I think it's time, guys." Uh, I don't. Based on the news around Zion, I do not think he's going to end up playing. Uh, and I. I still think the Suns are way better than the Pelicans, even without Devin Booker. I think just. What we're going to see 
after this is like, it seems like Booker's going to be out for a couple of weeks with his hamstring injury. I, what happens in the next series? Because obviously the Jazz and the Mavericks, they, they have their own injury problems with the Mavericks and the Jazz are the Jazz. But without D-Book for a whole nother series, could the Suns, can the Suns sustain that? I mean, that's your best player. That's your go-to guy. He, You saw what he was doing before he got hurt yesterday. I mean, that was, he was, maybe the best player in the uh, in the playoffs yesterday so i i i think still the the sun should be able to get this done i think yesterday was just more of a dealing with booker's injury in the first place but now you know it's gonna be you you could see a lot this could be a long time without devin booker we and we haven't seen the suns without devin booker for a long time in a while so it's it's gonna be interesting to see how they rebound in and uh you know formulate that roster moving forward without him so uh i still think the suns get it done but interesting enough that the pelican suns is giving us stuff to talk about here uh wrapping up We've got our picks for Friday's playoff matchups. First, we've got the Heat and the Hawks. Who do you like in that game? Ice Trey is going off in Atlanta. I'm going with the Atlanta Hawks to steal a game at home. Why not? Let's get crazy. It's the NBA playoffs. And the theme of our conversation tonight has been how crazy these NBA playoffs have been and how, like, there's parity. Why not? I'm going to take the Hawks to take a game, game three in Atlanta. Game three in Atlanta, absolutely. Uh, it's funny because, like, I feel like the Heat almost live and die with how Duncan Robinson plays, and it's either, like, he hits seven of eight threes and has 30 points, or he hits no threes, and he has, like, three points, and they the Heat lose by, like, 20. It's very weird that Duncan Robinson is kind of the ebb and flow of the number one seed in the East, but I still think the Heat's he get it done. Like I said earlier, I think this is more about where the Hawks aren't versus where the heat are. I think the Hawks just aren't there yet. Uh, moving on bucks versus bulls. What do you like in that matchup? I'm going to continue my trend of underdog picks. I'm going with the bulls at home at the United center. I think that United center crowd is going to be ungodly. I hope our friend Kobe Marcio's there and I hope he gets to see the bulls win a playoff game against the defending champions with Chris Middleton out. I think Giannis is going to have a lot on his plate, and it's going to provide some fun basketball. But if DeMar DeRozan can go out there and be DeMar DeRozan, Zach Levine had some buckets, why not? Bulls can get it done. Uh, I didn't think the Bulls had a chance uh, at all coming into the series, and now I think they're going to go 2-1. Why not? It's the Bulls. It's in Chicago. I, why not? I'm, I'm going to Chicago. Who you got now? Uh, I also have the Bucks in this one. Uh, I just think, not also. I don't know why I phrased it like that, but uh, I have the Bucks in this one over the Bulls rather than the Bulls over the Bucks. Uh, I think, you know, I'm I'm sticking with the the favorites in this one. I think, I don't know. I, I just don't think Jamar is going to have another game like the Bulls, like he did for the Bulls the other night. I, I think everything revolves too much around whether. DeRozan gets big big numbers on a nightly basis. I don't think that uh, you're going to get sustained playoff success building your team around that. So I, I think you got your one game, Chicago. Uh, I think be happy with it. And now now the 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 Bucks are going to put their put their foot down and, and move on to the next round in in pretty quick order. Uh, moving on, finally, the Suns and the Pelicans rounding it out. Who you got in that one? 
you know what? Why not? Let's go three underdogs at home. I'm going to Pelicans. Why not? I Devin Booker's hurt, and who knows? There's weird energy in the air in the NBA playoffs this year. Let's let's see what the Suns do down 2-1 without Devin Booker because they're going to be down 2-1 after the Pelicans beat them tomorrow night. Brandon Ingram's going to have a career night. Why not? I'm going. I'm riding with the underdogs at home. Who do you have in game three between Phoenix and New Orleans? I'm riding with the favorites. I got the Suns. I, I Like I said, I think the loss in uh, last night's game was more of a, you know, we're adjusting to Devin Booker being hurt. Uh, they'll be more adjusted going into this game, knowing Devin Booker is not going to play. I, and I think unless Zion Williamson gets cleared, between now and end game time, I think the Suns is still probably the safe pick. So, uh, all right, that's going to do it from us here at the Dylan Dylan Show. Any final thoughts before we go, Dylan? So, just to tune to let everybody know, throughout this show, I've been every once in a while I've been checking in on the Grizzlies Timberwolves score. We've been recording during this. I didn't have a problem with that because right before we started recording, the Timberwolves went up big, as you all know, because you're listening to this in the future. Uh, the Grizzlies were down by like 20 in the third quarter. Again, you all know this. I just checked my uh, lovely Yahoo Sports app. The Grizzlies just tied the game after a Desmond Bain three-pointer with eight minutes and 33 seconds to go. Wow. <laughs> That's my final thoughts. I hope this is a crazy ending. I hope, <laughs> wow. Uh, the NBA playoffs are awesome. This, this is the best. Uh, this is the best time of the year. NFL draft next Thursday. So much stuff going on. Watch college baseball this weekend. In between... Uh, the NBA playoff action, go on ESPN plus and find a game. Watch Tennessee. They play Florida this weekend. Tennessee's electric. And Tony Vitello is like the best coach in the country. Check them out. Uh, And also I'm going to great American ballpark on Saturday for Cardinals Reds. That'll be a lot of fun. I'm I'm excited to see the worst team in baseball, the Cincinnati Reds and the best team in baseball, the St. Louis Cardinals. But yeah, that's all for me. How did the Grizzlies come back? That's wild. I, I'm not going to keep you any longer. We're going to wrap up the show. Any uh, That is going to do it from us. Here's where you can find us on social media. You can find the show on Twitter and Instagram at Dylan Dylan Show. Uh, you can find Tunnel Vision Sports on Instagram at Tunnel Vision Sports underscore on TikTok and Twitter at underscore TV Sports. On Facebook and LinkedIn at Tunnel Vision Sports and on the web at tvsportsmag.com. Thank you so much for everyone for listening. Have a great weekend and we will see you next week. Goodbye, everyone.